Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this late on a Tuesday night. Major League Baseball. Uh, the World Series already here. Uh, this has been a sprint, John Taylor. Like I'm actually kind of amazed at how we're already at uh, World Series week on Friday night. Um, the last round, the ALCS and NLCS just flew by. Um, part of that was because um, one was just a complete domination. I guess you could say both were dominations. Yeah, I mean, I, it's four games and five games. I, I yeah. think that the Padres were definitely more in that series than the Yankees yeah. were in theirs, but the end result was more or less the same. So, uh, Your biggest takeaway from both the NLCS and the ALCS was what, John? Um, I said it before the LCS, sticking to it because nothing we saw changed my mind about it. The Astros are the best team in baseball. Mm. They are so, so good at every facet of the game. They have a great lineup, even though they got the, they swept an ALCS with Jose Altuve collecting one, maybe two hits the entire time, with Jordan Alvarez essentially not showing up until game four, with Kyle Tucker essentially contributing nothing. Um, they won, and then not just won, but they won handily. Like you said, mm. they dominated that series. The Yankees were far and away the worst team they never except for some portions of game four and i think other portions of game two they never really seemed like they were in this series a lot of that you can chalk up to houston having incredible pitching not just at the starting rotation but also in the bullpen it, it's really impressive what houston is what houston has and on top of that what houston has done and if if they win this world series i'm sure there'll be a longer uh more sorry deeper discussion about what this franchise has accomplished in the last six years, which is putting them on the level to go cross sports of say, you know, the, the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady Patriots or of the uh, maybe, maybe a step below or the Michael Jordan uh, bulls or the, or the most recent warriors teams that have been such a dominant facet of the NBA for so long. That's it just it, but it, that's to me just from having watched those games, it, it really is just mind blowing how good the Astros are. You know, and for as much talk as there's been about this postseason of the best teams don't haven't made it or, you know, all it's all upsets. It's like, no, man, the best team in baseball is still standing and has literally not lost a game this postseason. Like it, it, it's man. it's kind of frightening to think about. It was the last time we went perfect in the postseason. I don't think any team has ever gone. perfect. No one's done it. Or I guess the only one I know someone's done it with one loss, right? Someone's it's, done. I it think with it's one... been done with one loss. I haven't looked it up, but I yeah. it is never. No one has ever done a perfect. OK. Unless, well, in. The modern Since, era, yeah, in the modern yeah. era, I'm sure and it's only teams. getting more more difficult to pull this off. Yeah, really and that's the thing: amazing. the more round, the more rounds you add, the more games you add, the more teams that are involved. Yeah, what what the Astros have done is stunning. It's truly stunning. Which is to take nothing away from what the Phillies have done, because what the Phillies have done is stunning, just in a different direction, because yeah. they are chaos personified. They are, and that's that's not to say that they're a bad team that just suddenly got hot or lucky. They're not. Like they're they're there are a lot of really good things about this Phillies team. They have the two best starters or two of the best starters, obviously still standing in this postseason in Aaron Nola and, and Zach Wheeler. They have two really, really good relievers in Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado. They have a lineup that is just loaded with power in the top half and is not useless all the way through, which is, I think one of the bigger surprises for me is that Philly has gotten something out of the non casting out of the non Hoskins, Harper, Schwarber, uh, Real Mudo parts of the lineup. I guess not so much Nick Castellanos, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he just needs someone really important to die first again. Like, <laughs> but I it, it it's just the way they went about it, just in such different ways. With the Phillies, it was all it was dramatic. It was it was 
you know, last in a lot of ways, last minute, obviously Harper's home run to win uh, game five and the series as a whole was uh, came in the eighth inning. It's been tightrope in a lot of ways, but it's also it just looks fun. Like the Phillies just look like they are having fun the entire time. And which is not to say the Astros aren't having fun. I'm sure they're having a ball. But mm. the way they're going about it is in this much more like just a steamroller flattening everything in its path. Whereas the the Phillies are the Phillies are just constant fireworks. Mm. So that I think that was the the biggest takeaway, at least just on a purely like like non X's and O's level, if baseball can be said to have X's and O's, it's just the different ways these two teams got here and just the way they go about their business. Because really throughout that ALCS, there was no there was really no drama except mm. for a handful of innings here and there. There was just no drama whatsoever. And I think Yankees fans even came into it with the expectations like, yeah, we're going to lose the series. Like, we are just not as good as Houston. I mean, you saw it. $12 tickets for an elimination game. Yeah, for the final game at home. Like, for for the chance to see quite possibly Aaron Judge's final at bat as a Yankee. Good piece shout out being Dave Schoenfield who talked about this, where it's like, traditionally, these guys just don't come back. When you let them get to this point, they don't come back. And uh, shout out to every Yankees fan who was at that game and who booed Judge during that final at bat. <laughs> you are everything wrong with the sport. You are everything that I hate about that franchise. You are the embodiment of everything wrong with that franchise and how it represents all the things wrong within Major League Baseball. Congrats to you, Yankees fans. On the other hand, sincere congrats to the Yankees fans who heckled, booed, and yelled insults at Ted Cruz during that game. <laughs> You are, the, say, like, you are the light in the darkness, and I commend your actions. Not to capital, yeah, you got to hand it to him. The boldness to sit behind home plate and to go into that environment and just sit there. And I, I was stunned because I thought there's no way that he's actually there. There's no well, I, way. I, I mean, I don't want, like, the last thing I want to do is talk about Ted Cruz and his yeah. political and personal motivations because he is a stain upon humankind. But he also is the kind of if he weren't a politician, he'd be a shit poster of the highest degree because he's the kind of person who thrives off of essentially putting his finger in your eye. And there's no better way to put a finger in the eye of a city and population that he detests, which is to say New York, Mm. than sitting front and center behind home plate for an elimination game. Did Marlon's guy give him that ticket? (laughs) I kind of wish they'd both been there so we could have gotten the contrasting orange. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that that, that struck me as a very Ted Cruz. I'm, I'm sure if you ask Ted Cruz... He could not name more than two or three Astros players beyond yeah, like Altuve and like he's, Greg. No, he's not, he's not no. whatsoever. No. He was doing that to troll. Yeah, and I'll give him. No, I'm not giving him any credit. I'm never going to give him yeah. any credit for anything. He's just a sick troll. So go to hell. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He can go to hell. Not not you, Chase. <laughs> I was going to say. I was like, damn. No, it's it's fine. No, it's I. He's he's he sucks and he's awful. So yeah. Now a word from your new sponsor, Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Uh, I don't think I would even. Yeah, that's a hard pass on hard that pass. one. The hardest. Um, it's also Bryce Harper, though. That home run was just fantastic. Awesome. I think fun. that was just like what Major League Baseball postseason is all about. Like, yes, it, the it sound is... of it leaving his bat, the reaction, just I anyone who's not pro Harper um, clown clown behavior. Clown yes. question, bro. Like, I don't know how you don't like Bryce Harper. No, it's, and dude's gritty. He, Dude, I, I just, rises, he's easy to root for. He rises to the moment all the time. Yeah. And I think that is also part of what makes it such a great postseason moment is an MLB wants those kinds of things where great players with the chance to win, basically to win a game on their own. Yeah. Like, make the most of that opportunity. They want a guy like Harper doing, like, doing something like that, obviously, because, I mean, he... 
I, I don't know if it's him or Judge at this point who is the most recognizable player in Major League Baseball, but it's probably one of those two. Like this is this is what they want. I'm sure that you know, deep in Rob Manfred's mind, he was praying for a Yankees Phillies World Series, yeah, uh, to riotously engage fan bases, the two biggest names in the sport, going head to head. You know, all all of that fun. I'm sure stuff. the Phillies were rooting for that pretty hard too. Yeah, I don't I don't think any team really wants to face the Astros for as much yeah. as I'm sure every Phillies player when they get asked about it over the course of this week is going to be like, well, you know, we want the best. We want to play excited the best, for the challenge. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like, like, all right, we well, want, here's the challenge. We well, OK, here's Bama. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. That was such a my, my favorite moment, I think, of the postseason so far was that Harper home run. It was just yeah. it was the kind of thing that like it, it's just like it. It's what postseasons are made of is just mm. moments like that. And, and great players being able to do great things like that. And again, like you said, if if, if you're not a fan of Bryce Harper, just, well, what are you what are you doing at this? Also, point? those MLB teams, you tweeted about this, I think, right, like right after it happened of him just sitting out there and teams not wanting to pay and add Bryce Harper yeah, to could, your team. Yeah, if you're <laughs> there a fan was a point of one, in time if, where people were like actively trying not to add Bryce Harper to their team. If you're, if you're a fan of one of those teams, don't be angry at Bryce Harper. Be angry at your front office. Yeah. Yankees fans. I, on, I mean, Yankees fans are angry at everything right about now. But yeah. I be angry that Brian Cashman that he saw Bryce Harper sitting there and was just like, mm, no, mm. Every, 29 other teams did that. It took until March for the Phillies to go. I mean, <laughs> we'll give you the money. Like if no one else is going to give you the money, we'll give you the money. Mm-hmm. Like it just it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense that Harper it, it's, it's relitigating stuff that we've we've talked about before and that's been done to death. Yeah. But it really does. And I think there was a nice symbolism too that the two teams that made it to the NLCS were the teams with Bryce Barber and Manny Machado. Yeah. Again, like when those when those caliber players reach free agency, sign them. Do whatever they it got takes signed. To it wasn't them. it was yeah, you signed them and then you got to where you wanted to go by exactly. signing Exactly. They're they're such a big part of the reason why the Phillies and Padres are where they are. Yeah. Like it, it, it's one of those very simple A to B to C things. Like like everyone's wanna... so worried about the Castellanos signings, right? Like every team is terrified of doing that. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, that can happen. And guess what? They still made the World Series they with still that contract. Because they went out and signed Bryce Harper to a very long, very big deal. Yeah, you, that don't do one. Them. you don't do one big signing and you're like, all right, I'm done. Let's hope it works. No, and that's, that's I think the like lesson. Like Chris the, Bryant, the, done. All right, we'll see you all in six years. The sabermetric lesson, if you could even call it that, that big contracts for free agents are a bad idea because you're paying for their decline years. Yeah. It's not wrong. But it has been taken too far to the extreme of no one is worth the money because everyone declines. And it's like, yeah, one, that's not true. Guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado exist. And two, you're not paying for the decline. You're paying for the peak years. That's yeah. the whole point. You're paying for the good stuff. It, essentially, you're paying upfront for the good stuff. Yeah. So that you can so and the, to make the bad stuff more affordable, because this is what you want to happen. The Phillies will not care one iota. If 40-year-old Bryce Harper is hitting like 200 by the yeah. by the 4th of July, if he wins them a World Series this year, what does that matter? Right. Like, it only matters if, when you're Chris Davis and you're the <laughs> Orioles where you're like, all right. Well, yeah, if, <laughs> if, you happen, if you happen to turn into quite literally the least productive regular player in baseball for a that's when you know you, span. That's when you know you fucked up. Is, sure. Uh, <laughs> but like... But that's my thing. It's like, that's probably not going to happen to Bryce Harper. That's yeah. probably not going to happen to Manny Machado. That's probably not going to happen to Aaron Judge whenever he signs uh, his deal with whoever he signs it with. That's not going to happen to Juan Soto when he reaches free agency. Or or probably not going to, like, the elite guys are always worth paying for because they are elite. That's the whole point. And the yeah. whole point of signing the elite guys is to make a really good team better to the point where you win a World Series. Flags yeah. fly forever. The World Series is the whole point. 
And I'm so glad that at least one of the two teams that offseason that was like, well, if an MVP and future Hall of Famer is just going to be sitting here still available, then yeah, we should probably sign him. I'm really glad that both of those teams made the NLCS and one of those teams will play for the World Series. It cannot be said often enough, loud enough, clearly enough. Pay elite players and your team will be better. Just straight up. There is no there's no conditional there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's just you have a good team, you want to make it better, sign elite free agents or trade for elite players. That's all you got to do. Baseball, it's very simple. With all that being said, the Yankees are bringing back Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman for 2023. More likely than not, I would guess. I I, I don't I don't really get any because everything that's been said about the way that the Hal Steinbrenner Yankees operate is that they are not a team of reflexive, knee jerk yeah. reaction. And for as much as I think it can be argued, and I think more so with Boone than Cashman, but I think to to agree with both of them that this may be the point in time at which the Yankees need to try something different, have a change things up a bit somehow, some way. I never, it, it was just hard. It, it didn't, it didn't feel that way. You know, it, it never really, especially because I think part of it too is if the Yankees wanted to get rid of Aaron Boone, the time to do it was last year. Mm. Like when, when that team fla- like flailed out of the wild card game, looked totally disinterested and lost for the majority of the season when it just seemed like nobody involved really like they made the effort to go to the park and that seemed like to be the the, the beginning and the end of it. Mm. Instead, they gave him a whole new three-year contract. And I think that more than also makes it unlikely that he'd be let go because I don't think, you know, the, given the the Steinbrenner propensity now for, uh, for not spending wildly, I, I have a hard time seeing them being willing to pay two years for a manager who's not there. It, it's like a very small Jimbo Fisher situation. In a sense. <laughs> A very very small Jimbo Fisher situation. Um, yeah, you should check in on that buyout if uh, he gets fired. Oh my god, like it's uh, like eighty nine million dollars yeah, or something. Hey, it means more down here, John Taylor. It like I understand more. that like Texas A and M is funded exclusively by a group of people who make like the Saudis look like like peasants, but at the same time, like that is a stupid amount of money. And like I don't know, we're turning this into SEC talk mm-hmm. for some reason. I'm always here for it, John. This is now We're the in dark mode show. this weekend. Yeah, Paul Feinbaum. Paul. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> did you I, I did you treat yourself to some Feinbaum after the Alabama Tennessee game? You know what's weird about all of that with Feinbaum is, I mean, he went to UT. Like, it's still just really oh. strange that he's just a diehard Bama guy, and I I don't know. That's always weird to me. I think not to go on my fan police mode, but I think not being a fan of the university that you attended is extremely weird behavior. Cause like it's, sports teams, yeah. like professional teams, I get it. Like you can be a fan of whoever, like I still think like, like stick with the city, but if you're not, I get it. It's fine. You can watch them on TV. You have no real connection there. Or if you're like, your dad was a fan of what, like you, you don't have to explain your fandom for pro sports college though. And like high school, can you imagine going to high school? And then there's like some kid wearing like a rival high school. You're just like, sorry, I like their quarterback. I'm just a, I'm a bigger fan of yeah, what they're doing. It's, it's, it's weird. weird. It's, it's weird. Especially if you legitimately deeply care about it. Yes. Like I, I'm not going to root go for there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I don't feel any need to root for Columbia and going forward in anything particular. Cause they're bad yeah. at everything, but like, well, you could change that, John. When we, when this podcast really, really, yeah, like when we grows, hit it super when big and I get my own, Yes. A&M booster money that John Taylor, big time Columbia booster, something making them the rename everything, get out of the way, Robert Kraft. Everything is mm-hmm. now being renamed for me, <laughs> which I guess is a funny thing. Like Columbia does have an A&M style booster. It's Robert Kraft. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, he went to he went to the law school. The field is named after him. I didn't know that. Yeah, he huh. uh, he puts a lot of he put a lot of money into the athletic department, or hmm. as much money as he cared to. Anyway, say, not enough. No, not nearly enough. But it's it's the Ivy Leagues. It 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 does play not the playoffs. Better. You cowards, play in the playoffs. What are you know, we they, doing? They have their own playoff now. No, basketball. they don't do it. They don't do the playoffs. I mean, I was talking about basketball. Not yeah, basketball day at least. Which again makes no sense. You're like, we'll play in the NCAA tournament. We won't play in FCS. Every uh, every baseball person listening to this is like, why? What? How did we get here? <laughs> yeah. Well, it look. Part of the uh, great thing about John and I is that we uh, hail from very different parts of the country, and it's funny just the differences in uh, just Ivy League sports and SEC sports. Like, yeah, I mean, gonna... it's well, it's like the difference between a Yugo and a Bugatti. Like, yeah. they're just not the same thing at the end. of They're the mm-hmm. same thing, but they're not the same thing at the end of the day. Yeah, and there's a reason that we don't play Ivy League schools ever. Like, they're not coming down. Like, I, there's that's a what reason I the Ivy League, League schools like, play the you can pay us ever. however much you want us to pay. Like, we're not well, coming down. Teams wants to be on the receiving end of a seventy-five <laughs> to nothing loss. Like, yeah. They have bigger Harvard doesn't need that. Harvard has Harvard money. They don't need whatever piddly payout like Alabama will throw their way to show up and get whooped on. Like leave that for like the Morehouse states of the world. There you go. Um, Man, I just I think that's it for Aaron Judge. Like when you go back and look at the history of guys like when uh, Dave had that article, I was like, OK, let's look back. And you're like, oh, my God, like this is not even like a possibility. It, it seems like. The most likely outcome is you're already seeing it's going to be basically like it looks like it's going to be a bidding war between the Giants and the Dodgers. It seems like that's where we're headed. Is which the Dodgers part of that is fascinating to me that they'd yeah. be willing to move Mookie Betts to second base at <laughs> 30 years old, a position he hasn't played regularly since he was in the minor leagues mm. to fit Judge on that roster. That's wild to me, but I, I do think the the problem that the Yankees face is is twofold. One is that they already made an offer that he yeah. rejected. Two is that. Be, and and that's and this is part of that. He's not going to take any discount clearly to stay there. Whatever yeah. whatever contract they offer him needs to be in line or at least in the same ballpark, no pun intended, as whatever he gets from anywhere else. Like the Yankees are not going to get this simply by by underbidding and being like, but you love being here. No, you're going to have to match whatever the you're best offer from the Dodgers. Either you is. match it or you come as close to it as he feels essentially comfortable as saying. And you're the Yankees. What are we doing? Like, you're thinking that shouldn't even be a question that you match or go a little bit over. Like, what are we doing? But that is a question. And I think it's because of the same reason that Cashman and Boone are coming back, which is this team really does not want to get itself into a place where it's just making big moves or making moves for the sake of making them. And I'm not I'm not not saying that re-signing Aaron Judge is just doing something for the sake of doing something. It is it is something that I think the Yankees should do would be the smart move, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But. This is not a team. It's I mean, they make splashes. Garrett Cole was a splash, you know, Mm. trading for Giancarlo Stanton was a splash. Like all the moves they made at the deadline were splashes in in one direction or another. But this is not a team that acts like the Yankees of old. And I think that a lot of the disconnect for Yankees fans right now when they see the reports that, that Cashman and Boone are more likely than not coming back is why this is not the Yankees I remember growing up with or, you know, maybe that's less so the case for you know kids in their 20s but at the same time Mm -hmm. like older Yankees fans like this is not the team I grew up with the team I grew up with was one that wanted to win at all costs and had an owner who would not tolerate mediocrity or finishing second best or letting a a homegrown superstar player walk to another team for less money Mm -hmm. or for or or whatever for more whatever it happens to be more money I guess it would be that's just not how the Yankees operate anymore the Yankees at this point are far closer to a regular team in that regard 
And that is, I think, a weird thing for Yankees fans to have to hold in their head is this franchise that they were taught is special and the best and is historic and everyone wants to be here. Everyone wants to play here. No one wants to leave. Like, it means something more if you succeed here. And Judge has very clearly succeeded here with the exception of a championship. And I don't really, if you're a Yankees fan who holds them not winning a title on Aaron Judge, again, you are the worst part of your franchise and of your franchise's fan base. You are an awful Mm. person. But... I I don't I don't know if they've really made that mental jump, you know, if they've kind of understood that this is just another rich team at this point. I don't know. Yankees fans are pretty down. Like uh, reading the tweets and reading the responses and checking out different uh, blogs about it. I don't know. They felt there's a reason that there were twelve dollar seats for the elimination game. I feel like Yankee fans are pretty pretty well, down I, about I, where I, they are and where like the Dodgers have replaced them. The Dodgers are what you're talking about there now. Like that's who yeah. the Dodgers are. And I think the the other thing is that depending on how things go this offseason and in the future, the Mets are on that track too. Yeah. They have a rich but owner the Mets. really like, let's just spend. let's give it more in a couple of years. Like there's sure. still some crazy stuff. What, what what are we doing? We know that there's some kind of crazy Cohen stuff that's going to pop up and we're like, "Oh my god, is it already over?" No, something crazy is going to happen. I'm something not crazy is always going to happen with with yeah. Steve Cohen, but and with the Mets generally. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. This is not this is not the Yankees TM anymore. It's just the mm. Yankees. They're just one of 30. And they happen to have more money than all but like two or three other teams in baseball at this point, if, if even they have uh, less money than anybody. But the way they operate is now in line with the way that all these other major franchises operate, which is to say things like sustainability, cost effectiveness, value. Those all mean something more now than they did back in the day. Mm. so i i mean yeah it, it they are gonna have a fight on their hands to keep judge i think because we've already seen like if the dodgers are already willing to say publicly yeah we're gonna move our the mvp that we traded for who won us a title to second base just to fit this guy in that's not a good sign the giants have already come out and made their made their noise clear and of course judge has the hometown connection there too as a bay area kid that's not good you can definitely count on the Mets just being in there to screw around, if nothing else. Like, you know how badly Steve Cohen would want Aaron Judge staying in New York, but on the Mets just to thumb it in the, or just to put it in the Yankees' face and win the I back. Think Judge is, too, is it too dorky or naive for me to say? I think he's too classy to do it. I, th- I think he probably, I think there probably would be some weird emotional thing with that yeah. that would probably keep him from doing it. But at the very least, I can see the Mets being in there and making offers anyway, just to try to yeah. drive the price up. And there's always going to be the hashtag mystery team. There's always going to be at least one team coming out of nowhere to be like, Texas well, why Rangers. I mean, look, it's not, it would not be the weirdest or worst decision on yeah. their part. In fact, it would line up pretty well with all the rest of the stuff they've been doing over the course of the last two months or so. Mm-hmm. Look, but I mean, it's this also is weird with the Dodgers because they've never done this. Like we talk about it, like you traded for Mookie Betts. Um, Freddie Freeman was kind of a deviation there. A little bit but by and large andrew friedman has not been the guy to go out and make the big free agent signing he's not no, in the years which also makes me think that trey turner is probably not sticking around um, well we predicted on the pod last week trey turner for dancy swanson a swap there and you get dansby and uh freddie freeman reunited you can do that yeah Mike i Culberson can be the utility guy that he's always meant to be behind Dansby. Like if if Dansby goes to LA, he'll have to hire Culberson to be his like body double so that he yes. can just get around more easily. He but, looks like LA though. Like he he fits in LA. But yeah, I I don't know. It, it's gonna flow. be a it's gonna be a weird offseason, I think, for the Yankees. The judge stuff is and I think part of the problem that they have is that the judge stuff needs to be resolved sooner rather than later. 
Well, that was my follow-up. Do you think this, because we talked about Bryce Harper and him sitting out for, he was sitting on the market for as long as he was up until March, right? Like is when he ultimately signed. Um, do you think that the possibility is just as strong that Judge is hanging out there in March? Sure. I mean, there's, yeah. it, I mean, he could certainly come out and put out a, a, a request for an offer or put out numbers that every team looks at and goes, uh, no, we'll see you in two months when you get your head right. <laughs> yeah. But I think, the problem for the Yankees is obviously they're going to have to set some kind of internal deadline of, look, you either take this offer or you don't, but we have other shit we need to figure out. Yeah. And your contract is going to be the biggest part of that to figure out because it is invariably going to be $300 million or more. Mm -hmm. And if the Yankees decide that's their big expenditure of the offseason, and I have a hard time seeing how they're going to fit more than one of those onto that team, given the, the unwillingness in years previous to do that, mm -hmm. then if Judge if judge is if this process gets dragged out they're eventually going to have to pivot to some other direction whether that's correa whether that's trey turner whether that's whoever happens to be on the free agent market they're going to have to go in that direction instead mm -hmm. but the other thing of it is is like and this is something in thinking about where the yankees are and what their roster looks like i don't really think the 2023 yankees with the potential exception of judge are going to look all that different from the 2022 yankees hmm. like the rotation isn't changing it's garrett cole and Luis severino and nestor cortez You've got Frankie Montes for next year, assuming he stays healthy. Somewhere you find a fifth starter, but they've got two in-house candidates already in Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt, plus whoever else is still kicking around the high minors. And also they could also just reach out to get a, a, a cheap or a cheaper veteran, like a, I don't know, try to find their own Michael Waka, for example, or try to mm. find their own uh, Kyle Gibson of sorts, who can just go out there, throw five useful innings and, and call it a day. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the the lineup also not really changing. Anthony Rizzo yeah. is presumably going to opt out of the of the option he has to look for more money. I assume the Yankees are probably just going to give it to him because it seems like both sides were pretty happy with what they had. But barring a trade of Glaber Torres, barring uh, the Yankees deciding that for whatever reason, you know, Anthony Volpe and Jose Peraza are not the future in the middle infield, barring something bizarre. I mean, and Cashman's always good for a surprise move in, in either the offseason or the deadline. That's that's his thing. But there really aren't places, with the exception of third base, where I think the team is going to do everything in its power to dump Josh Donaldson on somebody hmm. uh, and just be rid of that. And left field, where Aaron Hicks is very clearly not a reliable long-term solution, and it doesn't really seem like the team has... It doesn't seem like the team is willing to make Giancarlo Stanton a regular there, and understandably, uh, it doesn't really feel like... I mean, if Harrison Bader is your center fielder, he's obviously not going to play left. You know, maybe it's Osvaldo Cabrera, maybe it's some mix of Cabrera and Hicks and other, but either way, like there aren't a lot of open roster spots where you can kind of make a change again, unless you want to start flipping the guys who are already there. And that's certainly a possibility, but again, not the knee jerk Yankees of the George Steinbrenner days. Yeah. You know, this is not a team that's suddenly going to pop off and start doing wild stuff. Like they punted the free agent market essentially in its entirety last off season so that they could have room for either a Volpe or Peraza, or maybe both at this point, to be options for the 2023 team. Mm -hmm. It may have cost them a chance to win a World Series in Judge's final year. I really, I, I don't think you can point to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa directly and say that's the reason the Yankees didn't win the ALCS and by extension the World Series, but he certainly didn't help them very much. And it's really easy to suggest that, hey, maybe Corey Seager or Carlos Correa would have been a little bit better in that spot instead maybe the team would have gotten a little further, maybe not further, but maybe the team would have performed better. Maybe the odds of a championship were higher if they'd done that and just gotten the known good quantity instead of trying to find a, a cheap bridge to the potential future. I don't know, but it feels like a pretty safest like, uh, guess to me. But either way, 
this is not a team that really makes like their, their big splashes are fewer and further between now. Yeah. And I think if there is a big splash this offseason, it's going to be judged one way or the other. Speaking and I of think big if, splashes, Bruce Bochy, literally, splash, if he dives headfirst into a pool, he creates a tsunami. That That is a big splash coming right there. I like that higher though, right? I, well, I, so I, I get it and I don't get it. What I do you get not it. think about it? So I, well, I, I, to start, I get it because Bruce Bochy is the kind of guy you bring in when you're, when you're serious about winning. In the same yeah. way that when the Astros hired Dusty Baker, when the Mets hired Buck Showalter, you know, when you bring in these veteran guys with championship experience who know how to handle a clubhouse and where they are known quantities all the way through, like, you know what kind of manager they're going to be, you know what their tendencies are, you know how they operate, there's not going to be any of these, uh, they're not going to be any growing pains, or at least not the same kind that there would be when you do, like, compared to, to Texas' last manager, Chris Woodward, where I think the expectation or the hope was he will grow along with the young players on this team, and together they will all kind of learn and develop and and kind of make this 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 core unit i think with bochi it's more like no we don't want we're not ready we don't want to deal with manager growing pains anymore we don't want to deal with someone who's learning on the fly we don't want to deal with someone who's who may or may not be able to project authority in the clubhouse the way we need we just want a guy who, who players like who is well respected who knows how to manage and win in the postseason who knows how to manage and win in the regular season what i don't get about it is texas isn't there yet to me at this point like they're Texas like skipping is, steps though. They're they're that's just like my thing. They're, they're they're skipping ahead to the point where they are a they are a championship contender. Yeah. Texas is not a championship contender. If Texas goes out and signs Aaron Judge and trades for Pablo Lopez or Sonny Gray and does like five more five other things on top of that, okay, sure. Then we can start to talk about Texas as a real championship contender. But I mean, should we assume that they're going to be aggressive again this winter? I think you I, I don't think do this a, unless you're well, going to be aggressive again. I think, I think that's a safe bet because I think what Bochy's hire represents is a projection of the image the Rangers want, which is yeah. we are serious, we're going to win, we're going to contend, which means we have to do something in the offseason again, too. It's not just Seager and Semyon and John Gray. It's yeah. we got to do more. The problem is, I mean, I, I am all for that. I am all for teams deciding that they want to be better, that they want to be contenders. I have no problem with this, at least on a philosophical level. It just doesn't really line up with where Texas is on an actual like roster level. There's still a lot of holes on that team. There's yeah. they do not have a good bullpen. They do not have a good rotation. Half their lineup didn't really do anything last year. Their farm system is good and producing some pretty good pieces and is getting better. And they're going to have the one-two addition of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker relatively soon because both of those guys are going to be probably major league ready by as early as I think midpoint of next season. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, again, like. Just the fact that there is a way, way better team within their own division own on state. top of it that is about to go play in its fourth World Series in the last six years. Yeah. Like, well, that they're is just a... like, hey, they're about to fire uh, Sink and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, Dusty to, Baker. Yeah, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll hire away James Click or something. Yeah, but uh, Click, yeah, excuse me. I, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think it's a perfectly sensible hire in a managerial sense in that I, you know, I don't think Bochi since retiring has, I, I don't think this is a Tony La Russa thing where it's like a no. guy coming out of deep freeze where everyone looks <laughs> around and goes, what exactly made this sensible? I think Bochi is a very sensible hire who was still managing very well toward the very end with, with the giants. Like this yeah. wasn't someone who looked like he was out of his element by the end. Yeah. It just suggests to me that either Texas thinks it is way better than it is, which is, not ideal going into the is not ideal or the texas plans to get very very busy this offseason which sure but i don't know I, I i'm curious to see where this goes 
because the reality is Texas still has, I think, a ways to go to be a contender. And again, they have the best team in baseball sitting in their division, or at the very least the best team in the American League, sitting in their division, ready to mess them up if they so much as try to go for the crown. So, Well, I mean, I think it's probably like 67. Bochi, I'm going to guess. Because, like, you know what's interesting is I thought he would make more sense in Miami. Like, I would have guessed. No, that... I, I I don't. I, I think Miami, and well, I know we're going to talk about Ship, Skip Schumacher, but yeah. I, I think Miami is much better for a first-time manager, hmm. for someone younger, for someone who is more, and, and especially, too, because I think Miami wouldn't want to pay for a guy of Bochi's caliber. Yeah. I, I think whatever, I, we don't know his contract details, obviously, but I'm. it's a safe bet that Bruce Bochi is going to make more next season than Skip Schumacher is, hmm. or Schumacher, rather. I Yeah, is it Schumacher or Schumacher? I think it's, I, I mean, my the pronunciation I've always heard for that last name is Schumacher, so I'm going to yeah. go Schumacher, but um, Schumacher's, I mean, his, his last name is literally Schumacher, so. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you think it actually is Schumacher, but he just didn't like it, and he got tw- uh, picked on a bunch? Yeah, Schumacher grown up. Look, and I, he, yeah. I, I just like that there's a manager named Skip. It's perfect. Yeah. Hey, Not a lot of, you would think there's more skips. You would think so, but I, I was. How did? And this is uh, this is a tangent, but how did Skip become the managerial like, like, like uh, skipper nickname? Yeah, like oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Delete that. Delete all of that. <laughs> I was like Skipper. Uh, no, no. My sleep schedule the last few weeks has been very complicated. <laughs> well, we'll get that. We'll get that in post. Um, I'll get a FanGraphs article on it. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think I think Bochi make I think it makes sense for Bochi to come back with a team that feel is either close to championship contention or feels like it can contend championship mm-hmm. wise. And I think in that respect too, like Bochi must feel like the Rangers are going to do what needs to be done to get to that position. Otherwise, why come out of what I'm sure is a very cushy retirement? And yeah, he had, they had a plan for him. I'm guessing they told him that this is going to be an aggressive, like we're going for it. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think you're right, because otherwise it makes no sense for him to join them. If the plan yeah. is just to run it back with the same group that was there next year, or if that was there last year, rather, yeah. then yeah, why why would Bruce Bochy leave retirement? Not like to go Bud over Black to just being like, all right, I guess I'll just hang out and get the vibes in Colorado and y'all don't yeah. really have to build anything around me. And Bochy, uh, I, I think in that sense, Bochy to me feels like what Bob Melvin was for San Diego, which is again, yeah. just the experience hand at the rudder. San Diego was so much closer. The problem with that is like, it was a great hire by San Diego, but like San Diego was, we talked about yeah, it. And like, that, they're and right there. And that's why, that's why ultimately I feel like it's a strange hire given where Texas currently is, which is to say not good enough. But I think you're right in that, Bochi wouldn't be here unless there were plans to do more. And it makes no sense on Texas's part either to do this unless there are plans to do more. So I think hiring Bochi is probably a really good sign that Texas is going to be very involved this offseason one way or the other, be it trades, free agency, whatever it happens to be. And again, like we talk about mystery teams for Aaron Judge. I don't even think Rangers are a mystery team here. I think they're, mm. they make perfect sense for him. They have the money to do it. They can obviously sell him on the idea of being part of uh, being the veteran leader of a very or one of the veteran leaders of a, a very strong team, give him another shot at going against the Astros if that's something he cares about for whatever. It's, mm. it's at least somewhat closer to home for him. I mean, not really, but it's closer than New York. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see if Texas. The, if he picks the Rangers, it's a money thing purely. Like that's just like yeah, they offered uh, something yeah. crazy. Oh, I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, because I mean, well, if you want to divide it, like the Yankees are the are the stay at home yes. like, sentimental option. The Giants are the go home sentimental option. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are the money and title uh, option, and then Texas and whoever else is there, assuming that they're not a Dodgers level team, is just the pure money option. So yeah, the four mm-hmm. the four quadrants of Aaron Judge's uh, free agent decision making 
yeah, I, I think you're right. Texas is firmly the I care about the money and the money first and foremost. Yeah. And if we happen to win, that's great. But otherwise, man, at least I'm getting paid. Yeah. Which no. Uh, hey, look, you got to do what you got to do. I, I won't uh, hate on either of his decisions there. Um, no, man, get paid. If that's what he cares about, get paid. I just yeah. for me, at least from based on the way Aaron Judge has spoken about his time with New York and with the Yankees and what he feels like his priorities are. I would be very surprised if he ends up taking the Chris Bryan route and just taking whatever money he can get from who, what, whichever team offers it. He seems like very, very, he's been very, very emphatic about how the mark of success in a season is winning a championship. And I think more than anything, he wants a title. Who do you think of the big four shortstops we talked about it, would be willing to play second base for the Mariners? <laughs> why, why wouldn't they be playing shortstop for the Mariners? Well, that's what he said. He, he said that he's looking for DePoto Jerry DePoto said, said this. Yes. Uh, Jerry DePoto said his quote, great preference this offseason would be to land a shortstop that would like to play second base. Why would you say that out loud? Why? <laughs> Why would you make it known that you value J.P. Crawford more than any of those four guys? All but to be fair, Crawford's awesome. Crawford. And Crawford's been good for them. Crawford's fine. He's a very good defensive shortstop yeah. who can hit every now and again. All four of those guys available are good defensive <laughs> shortstops who can hit all the time. Like, there's, there's no... I assume that's just DePoto being nice to J.P. Crawford and that if yeah. they were to sign one of those guys, there would be a conversation. But hey, J.P., how do you like second base? Because... Mm. What are we doing here? Are you really going to sign Trey Turner and move him to? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe depending on the metrics, they think a guy like Turner or Bo, or maybe I don't think maybe Bogarts. Maybe a guy like Turner or no, because I, putting Carlos Correa at second base is a waste of his arm. Mm -hmm. Putting Bogarts at second base, everything everything with Bogarts is, has trended toward he's going to grade out more toward the left side of the infield or a corner outfield position eventually. Mm -hmm. Has Swanson ever played second base? I know. I mean, he definitely didn't uh, with the Braves, and I know he didn't put the Vanderbilt. And that's uh, kind of the other thing is, like, with regards to I'm Bogarts, trying to think of the minors. The only thing that would have happened was the minors. With regards to Swanson yeah. and Gray, at least they've been shortstops forever. Yeah. With regards to Bogarts, I'm pretty sure he's been only he's been either only a shortstop or a third baseman as a major leaguer. And I was gonna say Bogarts I, made the most sense when I read that. Is like if I had no, to guess I mean, most likely well, to do it, it'd be Bogarts. Well, if there's one person most likely to do it based on past experience and ability, it's Trey Turner. Turner I just played, think Trey Turner has Turner better has options. Second, yeah. I know I, I agree. I don't think he's gonna end up in Seattle unless his market completely dis, like, yeah. disintegrates. But if you're look, if you're if you're uh, what's it called? If you're not standard, but if you're if what you're looking for in one of these four players is the ability to play second base well, yeah. I mean, I think they could all do it. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, I mean, look at Trevor Story, who was a good defensive shortstop, moved to second base and was a good defensive second baseman. It's mm -hmm. certainly not impossible. Um, similarly, you saw someone like Glaber Torres, who was a train wreck at shortstop, be much better at second base. It's just mm -hmm. a flat out easier position to play. But ideally, you'd want the guy who's at least done it before mm. and has shown he knows how to do it before. I mean, I, I don't know. Is I, the option is like if you get one of those guys in the building with JP Crawford, like you can say like we're moving, you're going to play second. But it's like you have spring training, you have like just make it an open competition, or just be like, hey, we're going to give Crawford the benefit of the doubt or whatever. And then if there's some, but like it's just you sign them and figure it out later. Like you don't overthink this if you're Jerry Depoto. You don't say that out loud either that you would I, want yeah, I just I find it weird that he would say that I, I find it weird that instead of just giving the anodyne yeah we're interested in all four like they're all great players and we're looking to have productive dialogue or whatever the standard boilerplate GM speak is yeah like 
I don't know. I mean, JP Crawford's a, is a good player. He's very clearly very loved in that clubhouse. He is. A, mm-hmm. He was a big part of why Seattle is where they are, is where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he should not be untouchable. JP Crawford should not be untouchable. He should not be the rock standing in the or sitting in the way of like, you know, if if Car- if you come to Carlos Correa and say we'd like you to play second base, and he goes no, <laughs> are you really going to break off the conversation there? Be like, okay, well, see ya. Like, I, I, I kind of have a hard time seeing that happening. I, I, I don't really see that being the kind of decision, like the inflection point for this decision is whether or not the guy will play second base. Because especially because if you're a guy like Carlos Correa, why on earth would you move to second base for J.P. Crawford? Like, these guys have egos, man. Yeah. These guys, are, they think they're all the best players in the world, and they are. Why would any of those guys look at J.P. Crawford and go, no, nah, it's fine. Leave him there. I'll take second. It's fine. You're not going to want to do that. Yeah. Um... Let's end on our World Series picks, John. How okay. do you think this ultimately goes? So I have been right with Houston the whole way through. I have been wrong on Philly the entire way through, except for predicting them to beat the Cardinals. Um, my original World Series pick was Houston against Atlanta, repeat mm. last year. So in a sense, I'm still right. It's Houston against an NLE's team. Yeah. I really love the idea that for a third straight time, Houston will lose to a just pure chaos NLE's team. Mm. that a lot of people will argue should not have been there. And if anything, like, I think, I think Philly is really well set up in the same way that both Washington and Atlanta were really well set up. You have a Mm. good top of the rotation. You have the bullpen arms that you trust against a bunch of bullpen arms that you don't. Although I think Atlanta was clearly the best of those three when it came to the bullpen. Mm -hmm. You have a lineup that can do damage. Um, You have a defense that, Okay, Philly's defense is still really bad. Um, I don't know. I I, I just it, it it's interesting to think about like what the matchups are there because the, the truth of it is Houston comes ahead in everything. They have the better rotation overall, they have the better bullpen overall, they have the better defense, they have the deeper lineup, they have more experience. Really, if you're I think if you're going with Philly here, and I can completely understand why, it's it's a it's more of a vibes-based argument. Mm. it's that they're the hot team right now. And Houston obviously is hot too. They won 13 games this postseason out of 13. Yeah. You know, they haven't lost in over three weeks. Like they're very, very good, but I don't know. It, it, this really does boil down to like, it, it's almost like a head versus heart thing. It's like in your mm. head, it should be the Astros. They're the better team. They're the, they have been the best team of this postseason throughout this postseason with the, I think the only real argument is whether or not a full strength Dodgers team would have been there with them, but they weren't. So they're not, mm-hmm. um, the Philly man, like, how do you bet again? How do you bet against what the Phillies are doing right now? It's just the brick wall aspect to this, right? Like, I just yeah, it, it's the unstoppable object against the or the unstoppable object against the move or the unstoppable force against the immovable object. There we go. I think the path to the Phillies winning, for me, based on what we've seen, is I think they have to win in like four or five. If this goes six or seven, I think that benefits yes. the Astros significantly right. more. I think yes, we know think how this right. series ends, depending on how it starts yeah this is either this you're right this is either a short phillies win or the astros in like six or seven because they are just so much deeper the thing the phillies are really going to run into the problem they have is nola and and uh, they can't pitch every game they cannot pitch every game (laughs) alvarado and dominguez are great they they cannot pitch every game and Mm -hmm. for as much as we're going to go back to the old two three two off days in between the trap or travel off days format that obviously makes using a bullpen that much easier Mm mm-hmm they're going to need Alvarado and Dominguez unless they're blowing out or being blown out every single night. Yeah. You know, those are the only two relievers. And I guess Dave Robertson would be number three on this list, but, the but stuff there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
those are the guys that Rob Thompson very clearly trusts. He does not seem to have much faith in anyone else, understandably so. And I think the other part of it is, you know, Ranger Suarez pitched very well in the NLCS, did not pitch as well in the division series. Um, did he pitch in the wild card series? That's a good question. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. So. I don't think he did. No, he did not because Philly only needed two games. Hmm. Um, but I don't feel super comfortable with him against that Astros lineup. I really, really don't. And then the question becomes, if you, who do you throw out in there in game four? Like you, like you managed to bullpen a game against the Padres, sort of. And it really only worked because the Padres also had to bullpen a game because Mike Clevenger is aged in dog years. Like the Astros can, think about this, the Astros are going to roll out Justin Verlander in game one. And that's kind mm -hmm. of the other thing too, is they have the pitchers to counter Nolan Wheeler. They're going to have Verlander in game one. They're going to have Framber Valdez in game two. And then they're going to have the advantage in games three and four because they can pick from an assortment of, well, they can, depending how they want to run it, they can either use Javi, Christian Javier and Lance McCullers. They, either of those can start, either of them can start either of those two games. Mm -hmm. They still have in the bullpen Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy to soak up innings. There's like there's so many guys in that Houston bullpen who are just flat out good that if this does turn it, if those games three and four are closer to something like uh, like NLCS game five or mm -hmm. like or rather um, NLCS game four, where it really does just become a battle of the bullpens, Houston's going to win that every time. Yeah. You know, so I, I think you're right. The deeper the series, the longer the series goes, the more it trends toward the Astros winning. Their depth is just going to be, I think, really, really hard for Philadelphia to overcome in that regard. But again, man, and that's and the other part of this, too, is like games three, four. And if it happens, five in Philly are going to be bonkers, bonkers, mm. bonkers, bonkers. Like that is going to be a home field, home crowd advantage. Like they have to win it there. Like if it goes back to Houston, it's over. You're not winning. Like if it gets back to Houston, that's just I, I do. I do think I can see a scenario where where Philly splits the first two games and then gets and then to go three and, then try, and then rides home on the high. Like, yeah. and has the fans kind of carry them all the way because that fan base, that crowd at citizens bank park for those three NLCS games was lunatic, man. Mm -hmm. That was some incredible stuff. Like they are, they just love, be careful. No dads are allowed to do any music videos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Houston a, dads of Houston. Don't, don't make yourself, don't go viral. Do not yes. go viral. Um, but yeah, love him, love him or hate him. Philadelphia fans are intense in a way that is frightening, unhealthy, and very clearly has a major psychological impact, especially clearly on the Phillies. Like they clearly feed off of it, but mm -hmm. I obviously am not, I'm not, I mean, you could argue if there's one team that is uniquely well-suited to deal with a super hostile opposing crowd, it's the team that has spent the last like three and a half years just getting booed relentlessly by everybody. Mm -hmm. Like. The Astros very clearly do not care. This does not affect them. They they wear this stuff with pride at this point. But man, I I I gotta say I'm I'm very jealous. Uh, maybe not jealous, but very I guess very happy for the Phillies fans who've locked up tickets to games three and four and five. That's just gonna be so much fun. I'm I'm so 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 amused. It's gonna be so fun. It's just gonna be a lot of fun. That that's my official World Series prediction. It's gonna be a lot of fun. These are two really fun teams. They're two really, really fun teams, two really good teams, two really exciting teams. I'm going to go ahead and say Houston in seven. I think it's going to be a hard-fought World Series, but I think the Astros are just the better team with more depth, just better suited to to win in this environment. So, I, like I said, I haven't gone wrong with Houston all, all postseason. I have gone wrong with Philly all postseason. So, one of those two must must be wrong eventually. So. I'm going right. Houston too. I'm going Houston in six. Okay. Um, I think that's where this ends. But 
I also think I just I don't have back to back NL East just sneaking in teams winning the World Series and beating the juggernauts in back to back years. I don't I'd know. also I'd also like to know the last time the Phillies won the World Series, the global economy collapsed, like quite literally fell apart. So if you would like to have money in the future, you mm-hmm. probably need to root against the Phillies, unfortunately. Um, mm. But given that we are trending toward like global economy meltdown anyway, maybe we're going to get a Phillies World Series regardless. But Again, it would be very, very funny if the Astros and all their it's it'd be very funny to think if three NL East teams, including two of the dumbest, most chaotic NL East teams, were the reason that the Astros don't get recognized as the greatest like baseball dynasty since the mid nineties or since the late nineties. SEC SEC NL East NL East. This is this would be like the the SEC title game being between Alabama and like Arkansas. Yeah. Which again would also be very funny, but can't happen though they're in the same division okay who's in the sec west now is the sec one of those one of those division or one of those conferences that hasn't done all the crazy let's add 15 teams thing oh john there's so much we have to talk about this I, not, there's like, so much oh young naive john taylor oh uh, yeah texas a and alabama nope they're also in the same one uh tennessee alabama could be a thing okay there you go georgia okay. tennessee kentucky uh south carolina Missouri, yeah i, I think a houston philly world series to me spiritually feels like a kentucky alabama sec title game i will say the most comparable college ball comparison to this world series would be texas versus texas versus like penn state man nobody would watch that i would watch it I mean, you'll watch, you'll watch, you'll watch, like, it could be, there could be 22 ducks playing each other (laughs) for the national title and you'd be watching it. Like literally 22 ducks, 11 on each side, just standing on the field, quacking at each other. Yeah. And you'll do an hour and a half podcast the day after being like, Mm. what did we learn from the national title? (laughs) Look, John, I I get college football fans. You all are deeply, deeply ill, like in a way that only college football can fix. Also, it's not even just that. Like college baseball, I'm now deeply ill. Like college baseball. No, but, no, but that, that, I, I, look, college baseball fans by definition are deeply ill. Like, yes, they you're an absolute college. sicko if you're spending your weekends in the spring at college Seriously, baseball games. Like I, I totally get that because man, the further, like the deeper down you go from college football and basketball into the respective college sports, the more of a sicko you are in terms of how much you care about them. Yeah, and I say that with no judgment whatsoever. If college baseball is your thing, do it. It's just, man, you really have to care. Also, it has the best like schedule. It. I wish Major League Baseball had this schedule that college baseball does, where it's like February to June, and like there's nothing else going on when important baseball is happening. Like that's a beautiful thing. Like I too, I too would love to see the Red Sox play in early March, right in Boston, <laughs> <laughs> only <Yeah>. on weekends. <laughs> that's what you do in the. Pre- that, I mean, that's how it works in college. You get that one dumb Tuesday game that you play a nobody. It's just a big waste of time for everybody. So that, that game, that's that's the Pirates every week. Yes, you basically get the Pirates every Tuesday in college that's baseball. Rough. Yeah, that's rough. See, uh, and this is this is why. I mean, granted, it's my also my, again as we've talked about my college reading interests are kind of um, they suck. But yeah, but you've adopted the Tennessee ride. You've been no up no with the volunteers this year. Uh, no, You're what? just like John will text me. He's like, did you see what? Uh, Kentucky looked like this past week. You guys are going to be. I don't even know what sport shape. you're talking about. <laughs> you were just like, I love the dark mode. I love that they're wearing all. Is black. this, this baseball is- or, or, or oh, what? We're back on football. Okay. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know when ba- when college baseball starts getting February. itself ready. Yeah. No, I know when the season starts. Yeah. I just don't know when they start doing like, you know, like uh, like the the equivalent of like the 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 color game that every football team does, the intra squad scrimmage and the. Off-season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That they kind of already did that. They are doing a couple of scrimmages in the fall, and then they uh, do. I don't think they like. They did that, what you're talking about already, okay. but um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that this Major League Baseball podcast has a moment for Tennessee sports. Well, also, you don't, you don't talk fan, about Tennessee sports enough. Chase Dolander, great piece on him today. Um, I don't know who that, who is that? Who, who He's are we talking probably going to go in the top three of the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, That's not, I mean, the sad thing about me as a baseball fan is the draft is one of those things where I, every year I look at it and I go, I, I don't know, man. Incorrect. Like, you saw my man Ben Joyce this past year throwing 106 balls per Ben Joyce. If a guy does that, sure. Yeah, you're ready. Bryce Harper who just like pops off or Steven yeah. Strasburg, that's one thing. Oh, There's not God. a Steven Strasburg or a Bryce Harper coming this year, is there? It's hard to say. It, then then there we go. Then the draft will again be one of those things where I look at it and go, oh, look, the sons of a bunch of guys I remember playing when I was a teenager. That doesn't make me feel weird or old at all. Mm. You know, the here's a we'll end on this. Advanced analytics for you guys. The Houston Astros have not lost a playoff game since they drafted Drew Gilbert in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft. Why do I let this turn into a Tennessee? Just, I, I'm I'm as much to blame for it as anybody else. That's the problem. Analytics hashtag analytics. John Taylor, what can the good folks hashtag check out from take you? Take that for data. There you go. Take that for data. Uh, Fangraphs.com. What can the good folks check out this week ahead of the World Series? So obviously there is no World Series until Friday because of how quickly. I didn't know where that sentence was going. The way you started that sentence. I, obviously obviously there is no there World, is Series. World Series. Rob Manfred has canceled the World Series. It costs too much money. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just wants to spend three hours a night airing super racist, <laughs> uh, anti-immigration ads instead. Whatever the hell is going on there. Um, but that, but that doesn't mean that we're. <laughs> <laughs> just because the world series doesn't start till friday doesn't mean that fangraphs goes dark we obviously have plenty of content uh, that'll be going up throughout the week focus both kind of looking back at the nlcs and alcs and obviously looking ahead at the world series ben clemens will have our big world series preview that comes out on friday ahead of game one in between we'll take some looks at the other stuff going on in baseball jay jaffe wrote about the yankees and their potential shakeup. if you want to learn more about that uh, Michael Bauman had a piece on Fernando Tatis Jr. and where he fits in with the Padres next year that it should be of interest to Padres fans. Uh, we'll have some stuff on the gold gloves. We'll have some stuff on the other things going on and around in baseball. And we'll, again, we're we're here for the World Series. We're going to have a live chat for World Series Game 1 as well if you're looking for a good second screen experience. So come on over to Fangraphs, sign up for a membership, download our app, and remember, once the World Series is over, we are going to get straight into our top 50 free agent countdown. We've already started to work on that. We've already put the list together. We're, we're now starting to write it all up. That'll be within, I think, free agency starts five days after the end of the World Series. So within a week of the World Series being over, look out for that. Uh, Fangraphs.com. We do not run racist anti-immigration ads. You, we can we can no ads when you pay for it no, no ads if you pay for it 60 dollars a year and you don't have to see any ads mm-hmm. a, a racist or not <laughs> we, we don't run any racist ads i just want to make sure that's clear and also no one should how about that no one should yeah let's 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 go ahead and add that too no one should run no one should run ads that demonize a certain race or ethnicity uh for po- uh, for any kind of gain but especially political gain so mm-hmm. uh com. no we are the actual citizens for sanity one there. John Taylor, yeah, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Later, man.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.